Cosmic Wisdom podcast, where we explore the unified field of ecstatic genius underlying our everyday realities. I'm your host and quantum priestess, Kimberly Baudet, and I have a really special guest with me today. She is a leading visionary advocate and coach devoted to unveiling the ecstasy available in each moment at the intersection of sensuality, life, and birth. Founder of the Global Ecstatic Birth Movement, a Yale and Columbia trained cultural sociologist and longtime sister goddess, Sheila empowers women to honor their feminine flow and locate their fierce feminine power while they birth their most sacred creations and rebirth themselves in pleasure. So please welcome to the show with me, Sheila Kamara Hay. Thanks, Sheila, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kim, for inviting me. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited you're here. Uh, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that are excited to get to hear what you have to say as well. Mm. So can you just go ahead and dive in, share with us uh, more about what do you do exactly with women? What kind of work do you do? Yeah. Um, I do a lot of different things, but at the heart of it is I really raise awareness about the intersection between sexuality and childbirth. So um, there's a level of re reclamation that we require um, societally, as I'm sure you're aware around our sexuality and the level of like reverence that um, we really need to reclaim in relation to our sexuality. And that's something that's really, really apparent in the act of childbirth. Because if you ask most people, like, what do you think, uh, like, what do you think of combining like kids and sex? It's like, ew, like you can't do that. That's sacrilegious, that's profane, that's wrong, right? Like there's a very, very strong reaction to that. And I will raise awareness that birth is actually a sexual act. And that's a statement that will make a lot of people cringe, a lot of people squirm, a lot of people uncomfortable. But really, if you think about it, like how do you conceive a child? Through the act of sex, right? So birth is actually not separate and apart from our sexuality. It's, it's a, the culmination of our sexuality, right? It's, it's a part of, inherently a part of the process. And so a big part of what I do is raise awareness about that, about the interconnection between the two, and also bring, in bringing sexuality into birth, we're bringing a level of reverence back into birth in relation to our sexuality. So for a lot of people, it's really, um, really easy to understand how birth is a sacred moment, right? Like there's a, there's a new soul coming onto the planet, but it can be trickier to understand how birth is a sexual act and to bring reverence to that. So really bringing all three of those things together. So I work with expectant moms to help them train their bodies for the act of childbirth so that they can enjoy the experience rather than you know, have an experience that is very painful or traumatic in some way. I work with birth practitioners to help them bring tools of sexuality into the birthing room to support their clients. And I also work with women who are really consciously in the act of rebirthing themselves because whether you're physically birthing a baby or you're rebirthing yourself or you're birthing like a creative project, um, a relationship, the process is very similar and sexuality and sexual energy is an integral part of all of those things. Oh my God, beautiful. Love everything you said. Yes. <laughs> Um, so if I could just investigate with you for a minute, why do you think we have this separation between childbirth and sexuality? Like, why is that so taboo? Why do people cringe when you 
you know, want to mention childbirth and sexuality in the same in the same sentence. I think, again, I think that's a, a big piece of the reclamation that we need as a, as a society in relationship to our sexuality. I think sexuality has been deemed by, you know, society, the church, whatever, as, as maybe not so wholesome or like uh, has to be done in the shadows or, you know, not, it has not um, really been embraced as a part of our humanity, as a part of our spirituality it's been sort of like shunned um, unless it's done by, you know, ordained parameters or, or something like that. So I think, I think societally we need to reclaim our relationships to our bodies and to our sexuality. I also think there's been um, a huge split from humanity from our bodies. Like we, um, and this is a cultural thing, this is a societal thing, this is a religious thing, but our bodies are animalistic. Right. And our mind, our mind is what differentiates us from the animals and our mind is how we can make sense of things. But childbirth is a physical act, like it's a primal act. It is, um, we are our most animalistic. We are the most in our bodies, um, ideally, as we've ever been. And that's true in sexuality as well. So I think, um, I think it really comes down to reclaiming the fact that we are human and we have these bodies and our bodies have wisdom that incorporates maybe the in incredible intelligence of our minds but goes beyond that and incorporates um you know our primal wisdom and our ancestral wisdom and our generational wisdom so it's a reclamation that we need in relation to sexuality but also in relation to our bodies beautiful yeah that's very enlightening. What do, you, what do you find is the biggest mindset shift for women that go through a process with you of yeah. either rebirth, yeah, of either birthing a baby or could be birthing a creative project? I think the biggest mindset shift is understanding that our bodies are, are really wise and our mm -hmm. bodies hold all this wisdom. And that yes, like you're gonna wanna research and plan and you know, these are things that happen in your head. But you know what else happens in your head is, is fear and worry and anxiety. And those are things that disrupt the birthing process. So the biggest shift we do is really get women in their bodies and get them connected to sensation. So what do I mean? Like at the most basic level, if you've ever, um, you know, like if you've ever had to pee and, and just ignored that sensation because you were busy or you were in the middle of something, or if you're ever hungry and you're just so deep in a project that you ignore that, um, that is your body's wisdom speaking to you, right? Like those sensations at the most basic level, your body saying, I need something. I need something from you. I need you to take care of me in some way. And so really dropping into the sensations of the body opens you up to a wider spectrum of information. So at first it is like, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I need to pee. Those are like the loudest because those are like your most basic needs. But when you drop into the body, you get more information. You get, um, oh, I really like need to move this way or this shirt's not so comfortable. I don't know why I always wear it, right? And then it goes even deeper into like, oh, this experience doesn't feel right. Um, this person, I, I feel like my body wants to move away rather than lean in. You start to get more and more access to like deeper and deeper layers of wisdom and information. And so when you make that shift, you're able to navigate 
your options in life or preparing for birth much more um, effectively because you're really navigating from a place of true, full inner wisdom and making choices that are fully aligned with you. And the way that plays out in the birthing room is when you're so connected to the sensations of your body, you're gonna move in ways that really support your birthing process. You're gonna be able to move in communion with your body, with your baby, to get that baby out in a way that's really, um, that really supports your labor, supports the flow and ease in birthing. So that's a really big shift that I work on with all my clients first, just to connect to the sensations of your body, start to listen to the language of the body, which is sensation. And then from that place, we do a lot of um, like tools and practices to support flow, movement of energy in the body, movement of flow in the body. Because when you have fear, when you're worried, that brings constriction, like literally constriction in your blood flow, as well as constriction in your energy flow. It disrupts your labor, it disrupts your process. Um, and so we start to use tools of sexuality that are also, by the way, tools that we use in birth, but we use it with the intentionality of increasing pleasure and increasing flow. So breath, sound, movement, um, <clears throat> visualization to really start to notice, okay, not only can I now feel the sensations in my body, but I can actually feel the sensations of flow, of pleasure, of ecstasy, of orgasm in my body. And using that to really consciously power your experience, whether that's you know in labor, because having access to all of that in your body supports the process of labor, um, or in your process whatever you're creating out in the world. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, just to dive a little bit deeper into what you were sharing with us, purely physically, what stimulation options are available for women who are giving birth? Like, I know that nipple stimulation is a technique that's used. And it's so funny, the medical community likes to talk about that. Like, it's this it's this mechanical thing that you can do to like ease in childbirth. And you're like, yeah, but it's sexual, it's pleasurable. It's, it's connected yeah. to pleasure. Well, anyway, I don't know much about childbirth because I've never given birth. So just what are some options that women have with their partners or on their own? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole range of options, right? It's going from like overtly sexual to not sexual at all. So mm. I like to talk about pleasure as the most holistic birthing tool available to women in birth. And the reason for that is the experience of pleasure stimulates oxytocin flow in your body and oxytocin is the governing hormone of labor and delivery. So if you've ever heard of anyone having to be induced or anyone needing a Pitocin drip because their labor wasn't moving along, like Pitocin is the synthetic version of oxytocin. So rather than getting that Pitocin drip, which is pharmaceutical and doesn't come with all the feel good that pleasure does, you can actually reach for pleasure. So you asked about like specific stimulus. It could be as subtle as like a hug or cuddles, like anything that gives you that like, oh, like, oh, I feel so loved. I feel so connected, right? Like it could be, you know, your partner stroking your face. Um, so it could be like on that end, uh, it could be eye gazing, right? Like when I'm gazing into your eyes, I feel deeply connected. And that um, helps me feel, uh, yeah, helps me feel deeply connected. And with that, oxytocin starts flowing through my body, 
which helps the process of my labor and delivery. So that's one end. And we do also like um, movement. You can dance through labor. You can sing through labor. When you sing, you're opening up your throat, which they say as above, so below. When you're opening up your mouth and your throat, you're also helping your cervix open, your, your vagina open, your vulva open, right? So um, there's lots of tools that you can use that are not necessarily sexual and then on the opposite end you can you can orgasm you can have sex you can have nipple stimulation kissing is a wonderful tool so there's really like a wide range of tools people can use and when i work with clients we really discuss like well what are you comfortable with you know some women are perfectly comfortable taking a vibrator uh, into the hospital and using that to stimulate their clitoris to mitigate the intensity of sensations and transmute them from pain to pleasure. A lot of women are not comfortable doing that, especially in front of like, you know, a, a, a team of people that they don't know or, you know, they've just met in the birthing room. So we really talk about like, well, what are you comfortable with? And we start to explore tools and practices that, um, that you would feel comfortable with. So even if you're not comfortable, for example, taking a vibrator or even manually stimulating your clitoris, which by the way, is, is such a powerful tool. And if you, look at, um, if you look at videos of women giving birth, whether or not they're actually stimulating their clitoris, instinctually, most women will reach down. And mm -hmm. there's a source of like comfort and, um, and pleasure that that gives you. So that's, I just wanna point that out because that's even instinctually we do, tend to touch ourselves. So stimulating the clitoris is, um, is a really powerful tool, as I said, because it can transmute the intensity of sensations from pain to pleasure, but also because when you stimulate, you're engorging your tissues, and when you engorge your tissues, they can stretch and open much more easily and pleasurably. So going back to if you're not comfortable <laughs> stimulating your clitoris in, uh, in the birthing room, which totally understandable, we might work on some sounding. We might work on some breathing. You know, everyone expects a birthing woman to be like moaning and grunting and like everyone, that's not a weird thing. Everybody understands that, that uh, that's a part of birth. So we might work on sounding that, you know, just looks like you're moaning or breathing, but actually will activate your sexual energy and help you access those pleasurable sensations and help you stimulate that oxytocin flow in a way that like, you feel comfortable doing in front of other people because it doesn't look overtly sexual. So to answer your question, like there's such a wide range. And if you start to think about like, well, what are some things that give you the experience of pleasure and how can you incorporate them into your birth environment, into your birth experience, you'll probably find more than a few that you feel comfortable with. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. great that there's a range of options. Yeah. And uh, even though I've never given birth, I've noticed that clitoral stimulation can help with uh, menstrual cramps, um, like things like UTI pain. Yeah. Um, so that's just, it's so, even if you don't use that tool specifically, it's so exciting that there's this range of possibilities available for women to comfort themselves. And isn't it fun that pleasure makes having a baby easier? Like you would think that when you, if, peop, if people look at that, they would say, oh, maybe it's logical that we get to be in pleasure as, as humans. <laughs> yeah, we've really committed ourselves to the story that, you know, we need to suffer to get anything mm. in the world. 
right? Like we need to suffer through birthing our children. We need to suffer like no pain, no gain, right? We're really culturally committed to that message. And, you know, there's roots that go way, way back to like Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden that like perpetuate that. So just want to really honor how deep those roots go. But, um, you know, research is really showing, first of all, that an, an orgasm um, will increase your pain threshold like 10 times because of the endorphins in your system. So orgasm is actually more powerful pain relief than some prescription drugs. So research shows that. Another thing that research has shown us is that the baby's head descending down the birth canal, when the baby's head puts pressure on the G-spot, that actually is also a very powerful form of um, uh, pain control, right? Like pain management. Now, what, it, what the research shows is that it's actually numbing, right? Like, so it actually numbs or decreases the pain that you're experiencing. But I personally believe that if we dig a little bit deeper, a lot of women right now are, are really numb to that area of their body and hold a lot of trauma in their, in their G-spots, right? And so if you've done your work ahead of birth, if you've had a clearing of that area and that area is not just numb, but actually is like deeply pleasurable to you. So then what does that mean? That the baby's head coming down as it descends the birth canal, it's not just numbing sensations for you, but it's actually stimulating pleasurable sensations for you. So this is really a part of our physiology. And, um, you know, one of the things that we do in my training for birth practitioners is we really, really look at the physiology using the wisdom of Sherry Winston, who's this incredible midwife turned sexual educator. And she really talks us through the anatomy so that we can understand, wow, there are, it's not just one opportunity for pleasure. There are multiple opportunities for pleasure, bliss, ecstasy, orgasm, throughout the birthing process. And once you see that, and once you understand that, it like, whew, like transforms everything. That's so exciting. Yeah, and, and I'm just thinking like, based on what you're saying, like you have, yeah, you have the cervix, you have the G-spot, you have all kinds of areas in the womb and the vagina. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so I've got so many great questions for you. Now that you're talking, I'm getting like excited. Um, so I'm sure you've worked with women who have used the jade egg or like other, you know, other tools for increasing awareness, increasing, um, yeah, decreasing numbness, getting back in touch with like the inside of the vagina. Um, what have you noticed in the birthing room connected to those practices with women? Yeah, I think the more the more um, you've taken that journey of sensual expansion of really healing layers of, you know, either overt trauma or societal trauma in your own body, because we all have like, there's, we all hold this collective trauma of what does it mean to be like a female in a set, like a sexual being in this society. So if you've done that inner work, whether it's via the Jade egg or other modalities, it really supports you in the birthing room. And studies do show this as well, that um, people that have unresolved sexual trauma have a harder time giving birth. So when you are holding trauma in your body on any level, whether it's from a personal experience or it's generational trauma or it's societal trauma, when you're holding trauma in your body, what you're actually doing is 
you're restricting your flow in some way, right? It's the way your body is holding that is it's pressing down it literally in your tissues, energy flow around that area. And that area that could mean any part of your body. It could, it could be in your feminine center. It could also be like in your shoulder. We don't know. So you're gripping that part of your body. And um, when you go to give birth, you have more energy flowing through your body than you've had at any other time in your life. So for people that have, you know, had Reiki done on them or any type of energetic healing, you can understand that when you are given that increased energy flow, it can feel really good, but it can also bring up stuff that you might've been suppressing, that you might've even not been aware of, like you might've been suppressing it consciously, but even more likely you might've been suppressing stuff unconsciously. So what it does, like that massive energy flow starts to unravel your holding patterns. Now your body is invested in safety, right? Like it wants to maintain your safety at all costs. So if you've been suppressing these patterns, the reason you're suppressing them is your body feels like that's how I stay safe right? I don't want to see this. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to experience this. I stay safe by holding that. So in the birthing room, when you're starting to get massive waves of energy flow, if your body is invested in suppression of that flow, you're basically fighting your own process. You're fighting it. So when you've taken this journey of sensual expansion, whether it's, you know, through the jade egg, egg work or tantra or other modalities, what you're actually doing, like sexual energy is very, very healing. And so you're, you're, you've actually taken that process in your own hands. You haven't waited until you got into the birthing room. You've started clearing and unraveling some of those patterns ahead of birth. And that only supports you in birth. Now, the, the flip side of that is, um, you know, if, if you can recall like a sexual experience where it's like, oh, it's like too good. It's too much. It's too good. Right. Like we have this we also have like a certain tolerance for what we can allow to flow through our body. So taking a sensual expansion journey, really like opening to pleasure, learning how to orgasm, learning how to have multiple orgasms, um, teaches you how to manage increased amounts of energy flow in your body. It teaches you how to allow that flow, how to integrate that flow. And so that is an invaluable tool in the birthing room because for a lot of women, all that energy flow starts coming up and it's like, it's like, whoa, that's like too much. That's too scary. Again, so you suppress, you hold, you grip. And so if you have body training in how to allow that flow move through your body, you will be able to tap into that in birth and, um, and surrender to that flow and allow that flow rather than fighting your process and resisting it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's like a, it's a force of nature, like the ocean. And mm -hmm. yeah, we, you talked about sounding and breath and movement and uh, yeah, I can see those being really great tools yeah. in the birthing room. They, they are really great. And the, the beautiful thing about, you know, Taoist sensual expansion modalities, Tantra, or really the big wide spectrum is that those tools that you learn to allow uh, like sexual energy to flow through your body, those are the same tools that you're going to use in the birthing room. And so to already have that practice within your body and for your body to understand, okay, like I've been here before. I've been to this place where like the energy flow feels so massive. And I know that if I use this breath, it'll help me feel good. So then your body's trained 
to allow that as opposed to like your knee-jerk reaction if you hadn't done that training ahead of time might be to resist it because it's too much it's too scary i can't handle it and or suppressing you know patterns that have you've been suppressing your whole life yeah yeah thank you You're <laughs> <welcome>. <laughs> um i'd love to talk about language around birth um, and how that affects us uh because I guess I'm talking about the bridge between, you know, our mental uh, understanding of birth and then the physical animalistic like wisdom of giving birth and, uh, you know, the language that practitioners use in reference to birth and how that influences women and how we can shift the language to be more supportive to women experiencing pleasure in birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different movements around what are the words you use to describe sensations, right? Like the, the most common one is contractions. A lot of people want to rename contractions to rushes or waves or, and you know what? I feel like whatever works for you. I don't have a strong opinion mm -hmm. either way. I, like I actually, I like the term contractions personally because I feel like we see that happening everywhere all around us so we see that rhythm of like contraction and expansion in our heartbeat and our breath and you know like how a flower buds and we we can feel that throughout our days um that that rhythm like to me a contraction is not inherently a bad thing we've made it a bad thing we've made it this thing that we have to like numb or avoid at all costs because it hurts but if we can start to reclaim contraction as part of our process, that contraction is the work your body has to do in order to open just a little bit wider. Um, and then taking, it, taking that into our own journey of, you know, contraction is the inner work that we have to do in order to grow, to expand, to be who we need to become, to be the mother of that child or to be the author of that book. Um, I think that with language, it's really, you really just want to follow what feels good and right for you, right? So for me, I've reclaimed contraction and I really like it. And I think most of my clients really like the way I phrase it. But if that feels like if you have such a negative association with a word, um, rewrite it. There's so many ways to describe different things. There's no reason for you to stay attached, right? So this just goes back to like, what feels good to you? Right, and I really um, encourage my clients and support my clients in starting to follow their feeling sense, as we talked about earlier, as opposed to their thinking sense. You know, we have this, oh, I should do that, I should do this. That's, those are all mind thoughts, whereas what feels right to you is like deeply personal. You're following your own inner authority and you're doing what feels right for you. And this is something that we see in birth all the time because there's always this question of like, what's the right way to birth? Like, do I birth at home? Do I birth in the hospital? Do I birth in the birthing center? Do I birth with a midwife? Do I birth with an OB? Who's the right doula? Who's right? Like, and there's no right. There's no objective right, um, especially for something as like intimate as birth. I fiercely believe that every person has to forge the path that's right for them. So if language is something that you feel is triggering you or restricting you in some way by all means rewrite it i see people do that all the time um, in relation to illnesses and i think it's it's wonderful to be able to like reclaim 
words that have a certain energy or have a certain charge and find your own way of relating to mm. an experience. So I'm all for it. I, I think it, it all just comes back down to like what feels good for you. If something feels good to you, go for it. If it feels like eh, wonky or, you know, there's no reason you don't have to do anything, like just follow what feels right for you. Yeah, great. Yeah. So how have you observed the work of ecstatic birth affecting men who might be involved in this process with their partners or their wives? Yeah, I think, I think men, um, and I, you know, I know every, everybody's different and every couple's different, but I'm just going to generalize for a moment here and say that in my experience, I think men tend to be really worried about their wives and really, um, like they really want them to be safe, right? They play this role of like the protector. And so a lot of times if a woman is called to exploring birthing in a different way from, you know, what we see all around us, that might raise questions of safety for her partner. And so I see this playing out in a few different ways where um, often women were so trained, unfortunately, and not just women, but people in general, were so trained to listen to outer authorities that the process of saying, hey, I want to have like an ecstatic birth experience, that in and of itself can feel like a challenge to society, to culture, because it's so different from the narrative that's been served up. So for some women, like just being able to own that within their own partnership is a huge revolutionary act of reclamation for themselves. Uh, unfortunately, some women can't do it. And I was one of them, you know, and with my first birth, I had a really hard time. You know, I said to my husband, you know, I think I, I think I want to give birth with a midwife. And he was like, oh, sure, hon, whatever you want, as long as like you're with the best doctor in the best hospital. And I didn't know what that meant then, right? And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so, you know, I, I like looked around for a midwife that worked with like, you know, a good doctor at a good hospital and I couldn't find that. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to sign up with my friend's doctor because she works at this hospital, which is known as the best hospital. And, um, you know, so I lived that journey. So really no judgment. It's really hard to kind of break the pattern of society and men really want us to be safe. So in that dynamic, the first thing is really education, like really understanding birth. And unfortunately, um, birth is like a very political, uh, like medicalized, it's, it's a system that it takes an education to understand why we are birthing the way we are, why women are having really painful experiences, why 30% of women approximately are having C-sections. Why, you know, over 50% have some kind of intervention. So really the, the first thing is just really getting educated so that that protector, that um, the, the partner can feel comfortable. So I find when I work with couples, like the partner really wants to understand, like, is this safe? And how is it safe? And like, they don't want their, their, um, you know, they're women to, to be going on a, 
wild and crazy goose chase, right? They, so they really want that information. And thankfully that information is there. You just have to have that like accessible and share it of, you know, the safety and, 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 and allowing them to have that level of confidence. So that's one thing. The other piece with ecstatic birth is, you know, once you get past that initial, initial ride, like what happens in the birthing room? So a lot of times partners feel lost, like they want to help. They don't know how to help in the birthing room. So having an understanding that like pleasure is actually really helpful gives them something to do, whether it's just being a loving presence, loving, stroking, kissing, you know, uh, whispering words of affirmation. It gives them, uh, gives them something to do. A lot of partners really like to make their women laugh and laughter is amazing in birth again because of what we talked about before when your throat is open it helps you it helps your cervix open it helps your vagina open so a lot of partners will you know be the ones like cracking jokes and making their partner laugh and so there's lots of great ways once they understand how to use the spectrum of pleasure in a way that feels good to them there's lots of ways for them to get involved and support without feeling the pressure of being like you know, the doula or the coach in that situation. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. It's, it's, it makes me emotional to listen to you talk about it. <laughs> Hi there, Wild Orgasmic Wisdom listeners. I just wanted to take a brief pause from the interview to let you know that if you'd like to support this or future episodes of the Wild Orgasmic Wisdom podcast, you can head on over to anchor.fm slash Sirona, S-I-R-O-N-A. You can make a small monthly donation or even leave me a voicemail, which might get included in a future episode of the WOW podcast. Thank you again so much for your support. Let's head back to the interview. So in terms of the medical community, because I know that you can have a really wide spectrum of like home birth with a doula, very natural, very like gentle in a private environment that feels safe. And then obviously you have like the medicalized births. Is there any, is there any education happening at those higher levels of medicalized birth that's like trying to help doctors have a more holistic understanding? Um, I think there is. I think the, the progress is is slow but steady. Uh, I think at the end of the day, everybody has the desire to support women to have the best possible experience. And the idea is really like, well, where are you coming at it from? So doctors are surgeons and they are very skilled at what they do. And we are so grateful to them because some women do require interventions and those interventions can be very life-saving. They're not, however, really trained in the physiological, like the normal physiological process of birth. But I'm seeing more and more as, uh, as the information becomes more integrated into the medical system. And I actually do think that the pandemic that we're experiencing right now is creating a huge portal for that because for the first time, the medical system is really recognizing, wow, we don't really want our expectant moms to be giving birth in the same place that there's an infectious disease being handled, right? So there's that awareness is really rising right now and the demand for home births, birthing center births, midwifery has increased exponentially since 
you know, COVID-19 arrived onto the planet. So, you know, that's sort of the good news. But even before that, like you see videos now of like doctors dancing with their patients, nurses dancing with their patients. So I think, I think it's, it's a mat, it's just a matter of time, but to really start to like raise awareness that it doesn't have to be this crazy emergency that you're saving a woman from, but that actually we can empower her to be in her body, to dance with the sensations, to you know use water. Now a lot of LNG wards, you have access to water, if not a tub, a shower, which is such an incredible like tool in birth. So I think that I think we'll get there. I think it's going to take some time, but I've I've seen you know I've been doing this for almost ten years now, and I've seen a tremendous amount of progress. That's really, really exciting. Really happy to hear that. Um, yeah. And you actually touched on my next question, which was how, how has COVID-19 affected workers in your field or you personally? I think, I think it's been, I think in this moment of time, like we're really, our hearts like a little broken for our expected moms. Like it's not a great time, obviously, to be giving birth and to have a newborn baby when you can't have support right? You can't have grandparents coming to, you know, help you with the child. You can't have your doula uh, live there at the birth or even postpartum. I think it's really, it's really a hard time. And, you know, I think things have settled a little bit, but at first there were hospitals that weren't even allowing partners in to, you know, yeah. for, for the birth, which is like, nobody should be giving birth alone. Yeah. That's inhumane. And um, so I've seen um, a rise in inductions, I've seen a rise in C-sections, and a lot of those are by choice because people want to be in and out of the hospital as soon as possible. So we're seeing that rise in interventions, and we're also seeing the rise in demand for alternatives of, of you know, birthing center births or um, home births, and unfortunately, we just don't have the resources to meet all of that demand. So I think in the long run that this is going to be good for birth. And that um, demand for midwifery services is going to increase demand for home birth and more options are going to be available to women. I have heard some reports that insurance companies are now covering home births, whereas they didn't before, or doula care, whereas they didn't before. So that's good. And I think ultimately in the long run, this is going to inspire like a complete transformation of the system and hopefully like the best possible way. But I think in this moment in time, it's really, really tough to navigate. I think we really need to love up our, you know, our pregnant women and our birthing moms right now in whatever way we can think of. I've been working with, um, you know, a lot of uh, my practitioners that I train in my training are doulas. So I've been working with them because now that they can't physically be present at birth, how can they support their clients? And you know, a lot of them have managed to transition to virtual support. And while like that's not ideal, it works. Like they're really reporting that it works, that they're able to sort of guide and support and hold the energy and hold the tone for their clients and their clients are able to receive that, um, which is really heartening. Like it's really, it makes you feel good to know that we're, and we know this, but it's really good to experience that we're energetic beings and we can connect even if it is virtually and we can support each other in that way, even if it is virtually. So that's been really fun to see that, um, you know, birth workers really understanding that at an even deeper level. You know, in birth, we talk about how the birthing field is contagious and 
you know, an expectant mom, because she has all that energy running through her, her body's really porous and she will pick up things from her environment. So we're really careful about, okay, we don't want someone to step into the birthing room who has a lot of fear because she's going to feel that. And whether it's not, even if it's not her fear, she's going to internalize that and that's going to disrupt her process. So we've understood that to some extent already, but now it's like the birthing field has expanded exponentially. And it's beautiful to see that connection, to be able to really use that connection between a birthing mom and her support team, even if they're not in person, to really allow her, um, you know, we talk about in ecstatic birth training, holding the tone for birth. So one of the things I teach birth workers how to do is to how to actually feel that flow in their own body, that pleasure, that ecstasy in their own body, so they can give it to their clients energetically. And so it's been really amazing to see them being able to do that, even when they're not in the same room, that holding the tone in their own body, even if, you know, one woman's in her living room, another woman's in her, you know, birth center or her own living room, like they can still hold that tone in their own body and still transmit that energetically to their clients. That's been really, really exciting to see. Wow. Yeah, that is really good news. Mm -hmm. And so what is your, what would you say is your personal transmission? Like what is your, the energy that you hold uh, in your body that you feel is like your gift to your clients? Yeah, I think, I think I, I hold like a really deep love for the body and reverence for the body and all the gifts that the body can bring forth, whether that's, you know, like connection to what's true for you and your intuition, or whether it's like incredibly expanded states of like ecstasy and orgasm and delight. So I think in that reverence that I hold for the body, I allow my clients to start to reclaim that for themselves and experience those shifts in their own life. Um, whether that's personally or professionally, that having that deep reverence, that deep connection for the body can really empower you in navigating your life in a way that feels true for you and that feels really, really good and that feels really blissful and ecstatic and even orgasmic. Wow. Awesome. So I want to wrap up by asking more of a personal question. I'm thinking about starting a family and I feel utterly terrified of being pregnant, of giving birth. What would you suggest for me to get started with trying to figure this out? Yeah, I think if you're utterly terrified, I would look at like, what's that terror about? Right? A lot of times when we want something, we're taught like we live in the age of the secret right like don't put your attention on what you don't want like put your attention on what you want and we bypass like our reality which is the terror that you're talking about right so one of the things that i'm really passionate about is you don't just like avoid your fears for hope that they won't come true because your fear lives in your body right mm -hmm. so it lives in the way you run your energy as we talked about so i would say for you like the first step is like what are you terrified of? Really, really looking that in the eye, like really understanding, like, are you terrified of losing your autonomy? Are you terrified of the changes that will happen to your body? Are you terrified? Like really looking at that and, and understanding, like, is that likely to happen? And if it is, like, 
is there a way that if all of your fears were to come true, is there a way that you could be okay? And beyond that, is there a way that not only could you be okay, but that you could thrive? And that's where the gold is. That's where you take, you know, these big looming fears, the things that terrify you, the things that hold you back, and you transform them from holding you back into being just like another unwanted outcome. And if that outcome happens to come true, you know how you could be okay and you know how you could thrive, even if that, even if that were to come to fruition. So I think it's really, really important to look your fears in the eye and clear them. We call that, um, we call that an ecstatic birth. We call that disarming your fears because if you don't disarm your fears, they're going to run the show, whether that's in the choices you make in your life or in the birthing room. But when you look at your fears and you really consciously process them and work your way through them and disarm them, you get them to that point where it's just an unwanted outcome that you can handle if need be. You don't want it, but like you can handle it if you end up there. Then you can have the power of your desire, your love, your intention be what guides you as opposed to the fear being what guides you. Beautiful. Awesome. So transmuting the shadow through actually facing it. Yeah. What you're yeah. talking about. It's exactly. It's like that, you know, like the little kid with the pile of clothes in the corner of the room that they think is a monster <laughs> and the light on. It's like, oh, it's just a pile of clothes. Like a lot of times that's how our fears are. So really turning on the light, really looking them in the eye, really processing them. And, you know, for some people that's going to mean like getting support. Uh, getting support to move through that. These things are like really deep. A lot of times they're really primal. And so getting whatever help you need to move through that so that, you know, when you're thinking about a family, it's like, oh yeah, like I'm so excited. Not just like, I think I want a family, but I'm really scared, you know? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> So Sheila, you have a few programs available. Um, you have Oh Baby, you have Ecstatic Birth Practitioner Training, and you've got Ecstatic Goddess, which I believe is your program that's more for uh, women looking to birth a creative project. Um, yeah. Would you like to tell us a little bit about those programs briefly? Yeah. So all three of those programs have the same core foundation, which is that like connection to the body, connection to sensation, really cultivating that and really starting to open that so that you can consciously um, choose pleasure, choose flow as you're navigating your options. So O-Baby is for expectant moms and that's body training for birth. Right now during the pandemic, I'm actually offering it at a pay what you can rate. I really want to get I think it's more important than ever for women to prepare their bodies, especially given that they're birthing an environment that's full of fear right now. So I really want to get that into as many women's hands as possible. So that's Oh Baby, um, again, available right now at a pay what you can rate to expectant moms. The Ecstatic Birth Practitioner Training is a year-long training that begins in June, and that is for anybody that supports um, uh, moms at any point from pregnancy, birth to postpartum to really start to, first of all, we take this journey for ourselves. We really learn how to hold that tone for pleasure in our own body, how to connect to sensation and open to pleasure, and then how to bring that to our clients. So that's the practitioner training. And Ecstatic Goddess is a program where we look at the wisdom of birth. We really look at the birthing process from, you know, from 
the seed of desire, like what is it that you desire and conception to gestation and then through the various stages of labor and onto postpartum. So we look at that as a metaphorical, as a blueprint for birthing anything in your life. And we look at the wisdom of like, what does it mean to reclaim our feminine power through these various stages? Because when you look at the different stages of birth, we really can see what we have lost through our societal and cultural legacy and what are the pieces that we need to reclaim in order to have that ecstatic birth, in order to birth with pleasure and bliss and ecstasy. And, you know, so, you know, one example of that is um, what we were talking about earlier, that expansion and contraction. Like when you know that the rhythm of early labor is contraction and expansion, and you can locate yourself in that in your life, then you can call upon tools that really support you through those moments of contraction so that you can move through them with ease as opposed to like resisting them, which draws them out, which makes you suffer, which makes things harder. So that's what ecstatic goddess is, is really like understanding how that blueprint of the feminine cycle of creation works and how to reclaim the pieces, the lost legacies and various aspects so that you can birth whatever you want with pleasure, with ease, with flow, in support of your, you know, the feminine cycle of creation rather than acting in like resistance to it. Incredible. Hmm. Awesome. I'm so grateful for you and I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing, especially right now uh, in this Hmm. time. So thank thank you you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Where can people find, yeah, (laughs) where can people find you on social media, on the web? Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for for being like a platform for people to share and for voices to come forward in this way. I really, really appreciate it. Um, my website is ecstatic-birth.com and I'm on most social media platforms under the handle ecstatic birth. Okay. Well, I know there's going to be so many people who are really grateful to have access to this information. Uh, and again, really appreciate that you're offering pay what you can for your baby program. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. I really, really, really want to encourage if anyone is listening that is expecting that whether you use baby or not, like I really want to encourage women to prepare, prepare your body. It's going to be the most important thing right now, more than, more so than ever before. It's always important, but more so than ever before right now. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sheila. It was a pleasure, real pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take good care. Bye.